Welcome to the Bold Acting Newsletter, Issue 27 for October 15th, 2023. The Bleating Increases. Over a plate of Kubade and saffron rice, I tried to watch RRR last night. It's the most popular movie on earth. I couldn't make it past the first half hour. The overwrought acting, the unending John Woozian fast-mo, slow-mo violence, and the cheap CG, like the tiger and the wolf, look like they came from the same era as the establishing shots of James Cameron's Titanic, left me wanting more. More domestic ennui you'd find in a Bergman film. More relational misunderstandings a la Kirostami. More Mike Lee realism. You know, more of what I like. But it's more apparent than ever that what I like is of no consequence. The popularity of Maniskin, for instance, the Italian rock band that sounds like they're making fun of Nickelback crossed with the Arctic Monkeys, until you realize they're serious, is another nail in the author's coffin of relevance. Even my referring to myself as the author is a nail. When I first heard Maniskin, I chalked it up to Europeans being European, you know, the stereotypical Russian hairband descending. Well, in the West, we're eschewing rat for Pearl Jam, but no. It's the calcification of taste. It's personal preference, that's all. Mine was forged in a bygone world that included Brit New Wave, grunge, and 90s hip-hop. And there it hath stayed. We are post post something. With the streaming of everything, we pile on. There is no, sure, I may have started with David Lee Ross solo projects, but now I know better, and that's why I can appreciate David Byrne, Mogwai, and Mozart, depending on whether I'm drinking, driving, or cooking. Now it all happens at once, or it can happen. My youngest seems to be developing taste-wise like I did. He loves classic rock. It's an understandable entree. Jeff Lynne leads to Yes, leads to David Bowie. Thirteen, however, is a different situation. He likes something called 8-bit, and it's not really music. Sounds like he's listening to video games. Here's hoping this too shall pass. Both of them are forced to watch the Criterion channel with me. There's very little democracy happening in this house. Every October we watch and rewatch The Mummy, 1932, Boris Karloff, Creature from the Black Lagoon, 1954, and our favorite, Haosu, 1977, which is a Japanese horror comedy about an evil house that eats seven high school students. I know they'll spend time resenting me for force-feeding them, but eventually they'll half-brag about how their cinephile father introduced them to auteur film. Perhaps it's fruitless. They'll soon forget it all. Like how the eldest went to film camp at TIFF when he was eight. It sounded cool, but does he remember anything from it? Did he learn anything? Or the trips to New York or L.A. or Austin or Mexico? Is any of this having any effect? I guess they'll make up their own minds. Sochmedes means we can have a stage of varying sizes. We can go through the motions of a kind of relationship with a, with a kind of audience. We follow each other for some reason. 
Mostly to see pictures of each other's kids, milestones, food, jokes. But then the horrors of war creep in, and now we've got to show each other that we're mad, too. Because otherwise, we're not doing enough. But it's just more bleating. Original thought has always escaped me. I'm a synthesizer of ideas. I'm a satisfactionist. I love the Internet's accommodation of quantity and quality. You practice while you don't have an audience, so no one really notices your screw-ups. Then the idea is once you're good, the eyeballs are there. Theoretically. When you stumble across a movie like Come and See, 1985, directed by Elam Klimov, it is shocking at first to think someone else's brain is so much more interesting than your own. But Klimov must have first watched Tarkovsky and Bergman and Eisenstein. Our influences lead us to amalgamation, and the brilliant or lucky ones can manage an actual response. Something other than the broad strokes of indignation readily available on Twitter and Instagram. Indignation is unsustainable over the time it takes to make art. It cools into a focused seething, hopefully. RRR, ostensibly about the wrongs of British colonialism, dies on the vine of shirtless heroes greasing up their enhanced abdominal muscles in the timeless Hollywood-Bollywood tradition of manly men acting incredibly gay, all the while protesting, Gay? I'm not gay. Who's gay? You're the gay. I look down at my ab muscles that are well insulated under a flesh duvet of good living and see yellow rice on my shirt, sumac, and a bit of lamb. Am I ever glad slash scared a new Persian restaurant opened up on Roncesvalles? It's 9.30 on a Saturday night. I was supposed to sing karaoke tonight, but Condor is under the weather. I love it when plans get cancelled. The feeling of relief. As I turn off RRR and slide into some Bill Burr comedy, I once again marvel at my luck of being born in the right place at the right time, and thankfully, what I like or what I do or what I think is really of no consequence any longer. You don't have to weigh in. Just because you have a megaphone doesn't mean everyone is waiting to hear you. In the face of horror, we could use less indignation. Just as we need more seething contempt that comes from thoughtful creation. Be angry that we can't get over ourselves. Channel this into your art. Next time you have dinner, remember that thing called a napkin. Now put the plate in the dishwasher, turn off the lights to the kitchen, and go and make something. And remember that virtue signaling to your 137 followers doesn't count. The best way to appreciate your freedom is to use it. Welcome to issue 28 of the Bold Acting Newsletter for Sunday, October 22nd, 2023. Let's go. Last night I was standing in High Park watching a goth walk through a playground under a single mercury vapor light. She looked like a vampire in search of, then waiting for, her fellow undead. 
You don't normally see vampires alone in a park. She leaned up against the play structure my kids and their friends were running up and down on, screaming. For an hour, they played full tilt. The energy. The vampire retraced her steps past me with only a small glance towards my neck. Not vital enough, she thought. The wind picked up. More rain. The children impervious. I huddled in the darkness. Why am I even here? These animals can play in a park at night two blocks from home. There's no danger. To be rejected by a vampire, I mean, I've never felt more invisible. I don't know, maybe there is danger. Maybe the right amount of danger is good. If my kids can't make it on the mean streets of Roncesvalles, then they're done for in Parkdale. The truth, or what works, is different than a style or personal preference, I say repeatedly in class. A style is Bob Hope in Monsieur Beaucaire, 1946. Whether you like it or not is your preference. Whether it works is your truth. You can see the many gray areas popping up. It's why we have a hard time talking about how actors do it. The English language fails us yet again. There aren't the words to make sense of what a great performance is. It's dependent on so many variables. Why the truth matters depends on the audience. It matters to me because I prioritize it because I became aware of it through acting. There is a great deal of it to be known, much more than can ever be proven. It's like finding the world's oldest Bordeaux under a pile of dirt in a cellar, or a trove of vintage porn. Once you taste a little, you want more. If philosophers are tourists of experience, then artists are the archaeologists. And in order to and in order to find these precious bone fragments, you must dig through hardened sand with a trowel and a toothbrush. It'll take exactly a lifetime, so... Allez! But out of fear and adult obligation and worrying what others think, we place made-up answers, what we think is the truth, where question marks reside. The unknown is not a vacuum or a vacancy ready to be filled. The unknown requires you to admit it is there. And others will see you doing that. And you'll say, it's not bad living in the unknowing. And then they'll try it, and it won't be so bad. And then we'll be less alone. We'll be a group of humans sharing an experience. Your performance can tell people of a convivial average or a commonality that asks for nothing more than you to be there. The question mark arms emoji should be the flag of art, if art had a flag. Not knowing is a valid point of view, and you have to have one of those. Imagination allows us to try points of view on we hadn't considered our own. There is no gatekeeper to your exploration. You may begin. You can't get it wrong. You try something, and then you put it out there, and then you get feedback, and then you try something else. You can't fail 
when you're making art. It's about quantity, not quality. Perfection is for cowards. Real artists ship. In our practice, we can benefit greatly by being emotionless in the face of a difference of opinions. Consider the fool, the racist, the bore. Find out how they move, look, breathe when they are expostulating. Copy the very ones you can't stand anymore. Sit there at the dinner table and, sans ego, take all of this information in. Transmute it from detestable to grist. Laugh to yourself, not out loud, because you just got something for free. Normally, you would have yelled at some old fossil for their dumb remarks. Instead, you have a new tick, a new tell you can incorporate into a performance. You do the thing and then someone watches you and they say, that thing. They did the thing my grandpa does when he's explaining why immigrants are bad. Jesus, thought I was the only one. We are never the only ones. It is art that reminds us of this. You have an irresponsibility you are shirking. Your empty anger, your hand-wringing, the violence, the lies, the regurgitating of headlines of articles you never read, the adopting of thinly gleaned ideas and the emotion attached is making you dull because they're small. Your thoughts should be huge. You have to dream bigger. You're being responsible to the wrong master. More play, more bad behavior, more of the rascal, more irreverence. Forget the past. Stop apologizing. Less interest in crypto. Stop talking about intermittent fasting. For fuck's sake, have an idea and make it exist. My God, I talk too much. The world will be a flaming bag of dog shit whether you recycle or not. It doesn't matter. You know this already. Is oil less important since electric cars? Is Justin really better than Stephen? The stock market goes up. Yay, but that just means it's more expensive to get into it. The stock market goes down. Boo. But wait, suddenly there are bargains to be had. How much did your life change from W to Trump? Are less people suffering since you became a vegan? Is Jeff Bezos worried since I canceled my Prime membership? You might try an irresponsibility towards what other people think you should be doing with your life. Pursue the thing that delights you. Work harder than you thought possible. Become an expert. Everything else is beyond your control. Have low expectations of the world. It will always be there to disappoint you. You no longer need to be surprised. Have high standards for yourself. Be thoughtful. Slow down and feel how you are holding your head. What are you doing with your hands? Were you aware you were picking your fingernails? Put thy phone down so that you can be bored. Know what little you know and use it as a springboard to more, to different and disparate knowledge. Be wishy-washy. Say, I don't know, more. You are allowed to change your mind.
Take your headphones off. Triangulate your past experience with what's around you now. Figure out stuff from what you already know. Create so that you might understand. If you don't lay hands on that script, canvas, equation, essay, you will not know it. Can anyone handwrite the difference between a lowercase k and an uppercase k? It's almost as if the difference doesn't exist. If you can't make it, you can't really know it. That's why we make stuff. Otherwise, we remain experts at sameness. We are born with no knowledge. We have a short time to gain a little. You've got one foot in the grave. L.A. Hey, it's Jason Bryden. Welcome to the Bold Acting Newsletter for Sunday, October 29th. If not a level field, then a field at the very least. I love movie mornings. Me and the kids were going to watch Fiend Without a Face, 1958, as part of our ongoing Halloween screenings. Responsibility, however, got in the way. I'm running for Union Council, the Alliance of Canadian Cinema, Television, and Radio Artists, Jesus, what a mouthful, or ACTRA, Toronto, covers all of Ontario and represents over 15,000 members. Maybe we should change it to the Alliance of Canadian Streamer and Podcast Artists and the Chronically Redundant, thanks to AI. Or maybe we should just rename it ACTRA Ontario. You know, when we moved to Toronto 11 years ago, we had a lot of Western alienation. We did. From Vancouver, we knew that feeling of like, oh, the center of the universe, terrific, is everything about Toronto. But then you move here and you get it. You, you suddenly become a part of it and you love it. Anyway, sidebar. I'm running for council not because I like meetings or being an adult. I don't. I just want to act. And I want to stay home and read and cook and ride my bike. Sex twice a week would be nice. I want, I want to see my friends, parent my two kids. I mean, what else is there? Travel? Fuck no. Have you been on a plane these days? Have you been anywhere remotely beautiful? It's overrun with phone zombies thanks to Instagram. I'm running because this worldwide war on unions has really got me down. And the pain of that is finally greater than the pain of living with the status quo. So it's time I try to be a part of this solution. I'd much rather someone else be the adult. And I can just be over here complaining, but, you know, something's got to give. My union, which I've been a part of for 23 years, is a pain in the ass. But it is emphatically, irrevocably, unequivocally better than not having one. When workers aren't unionized, they are at the whim of corporations that by definition are there for either growth or profit, no matter what. When the corporation is publicly traded, they exist for the sole purpose of getting the highest return on investment for their shareholders. Does any of that leave room for the worker? let alone the artist. Everybody wants art. 
They want their stories, their shows, podcasts, books. We want escape, education, inspiration, and corroboration, but nobody wants to pay for it. Fine. But don't leave it up to big tech to reconfigure the marketplace. The commercial arrangement that has worked implicitly for the last 75 years was this. You give us your attention for six to eight minutes every half an hour, and we'll give you three's company. Or friends. Or the Big Bang Theory. This made a lot of people happy. Creatives got paid. Audiences laughed. But now, no one watches TV anymore. The enemy is big tech, not the movie studios. Ads are on almost all the streamers now. This is a good thing. Non-skippable ads. Unless you want to pay more for premium. Or maybe you want another tax. In the UK, any single household watching or recording television transmissions at the same time they are being broadcast has to pay £159 every two years to fund the BBC. This is a form of hypothecated taxation. The purpose of the tax is to directly fund the existence of the Beeb, nothing else. In Canada, we have consolidated taxes, from which a budget of 1.39 billion Canadian dollars goes to our national broadcasters, broadcaster that Polyavra wants to slash, obviously, as usual. It's the usual old Tory chestnuts. Let's cut the CBC. Does anyone ever notice low-hanging fruit? Don't you get bored of it? Anyway. Last year, Netflix made $31.616 billion U.S., they don't want to share. Canadian Tire, a company that refuses to use no, uh, union actors in their commercials in Ontario, made over $13 billion. CIBC also refuses to engage actor members. Last year, they made $16.74 billion. The Toronto Police Department has an annual budget of $1.16 billion. They got a $50 million raise from the beige philanderer John Tory just as he was sliming his way out the door. I made $12,000 last year. And I've had to sell my house to get out from the debt and the variable mortgage rate that has almost doubled my payments. Plus, I have no job prospects. This was a considerably hard pill to swallow during a divorce and a pandemic. I am not running for council because I think it will be fun. I am running because the pain of doing nothing has finally eclipsed the pain of a future flecked with Zoom meetings. The world is set up for the rich. Our tax system favors them. And not just the rich, but more specifically those that don't work at a job, but invest in the stock market. Dividends are taxed at half of what personal income is. To be incorporated is to enjoy a base tax rate of half of what the unincorporated is. The government came after people that had claimed CERB during the pandemic. But businesses that claimed SIBA are getting an extension and a reduction of what they have to pay back if they took a loan. Do you see a trend here? It doesn't pay to be in the middle or working class. If you can't beat them, join them. I'm through with being a freelancer. I'm an entrepreneur now. I have been forced into working harder than ever at this ripe old age of 51. No longer have I the time to gaze at my navel, to milk my ennui, to worry my beads. I must become an adult.
As usual, the most annoying thing about adversity is the upside. You spend five minutes feeling sorry for yourself, and then suddenly before you appears all this opportunity. Endless possibilities. Things you can do. Great ideas. Stuff to make. So much work all of a sudden. And then there's things you don't want to do. But you do those too. Because it's your turn. Because you're compelled. Because you can. For years, I've been happy for others to do all the work for me. It's time I give back to a union that has given me so much. I owe my brothers and sisters a spot of blood and sweat. And I certainly owe the future members that deserve, if not a level playing field, a field at the very least. Whether I'm elected or not, I am busy with my other hidden agenda. At Bold Acting Studio, I am making future union members. With every class I teach, with every workshop I hold, and with every coaching I conduct, I am making resilient artists for challenging times. Artists that will eventually want to be paid their worth. And the evidence is in. You need a union for that. The fun times are over. Vote for me if you can, November 1st to 10th. Yours in solidarity, Jason Bryden. Welcome to issue 30 of the Bold Acting Newsletter for November 5th, 2023. The Truth a nebulous concept that leaves room for liars. I'm interested in the truth if it's within my comfort zone. I like truthful performance. I like it in politics. I like it in science. A lot of the times, science does it for me. Recently, I was watching Life on Planet Earth with Morgan Freeman. He was narrating, not in bed watching it with me. And the leaps they were taking regarding the beginning of everything, to knowing exactly what a dinosaur sounds like and how fish started to walk on land, were akin to the leaps the faithful take when they treat the Bible like it was nonfiction. Religion says, first there was nothing and then God made the heavens and the earth. Science says, first there was nothing and then nothing made a big bang. The latter is not exactly an improvement on the former. Both are stories. Morgan kept forgetting to say, Look, I wasn't around to see these suckers walk out of the primordial swamp on their little fins with their gasping proto-lungs. It's a theory. Except that it's not. It's not a group of tested general propositions, because there's no way to directly test something that doesn't exist. There is no nothing. And the Big Bang supposedly already happened. There is no control group either. It is, however, a hypothesis, a set of propositions set forth as an explanation prior to testing. Perhaps this is just semantics. Perhaps it is English failing us once more. Either way, if your scientific explanation is mislabeled to begin with, What other half-truths might lie in wait around the next constellation? We think we know the truth. Then the truth changes. Like the Pentagon's announcement in 2021 that UFOs are real, guys. This is when I become scared of the truth. Aliens and and conspiracy theories. The wake-up sheeple people 
Fluoride in the water, building seven. I'm afraid for two reasons. If they are right, then I've been wrong. This whole time. In the face of the cephalically misshapen and the dentally challenged. As Ron Funches, the comedian, says, You don't believe in conspiracy theories? None of them? You just think the government is telling the truth 100% of the time? The government is in charge of all the people. I'm in charge of one son, and I lie to him all the time. The truth is a nebulous concept because it's often a feeling. We know when someone is lying. We can tell. We know when an answer has been manufactured. Weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. We can identify artifice. Most of the time, although AI is threatening this. Religion is man-made, just like science is. And anything human is fallible. But when we see a truthful performance, we know it. When it feels real, we respond. We don't know what exactly it is, nor can we describe it or reenact it. We say things like, Meryl disappears into the role, or Viola is magnetic, or Denzel is powerful. The nobility that comes with the world's oldest profession, performance, not sex work, although sex work is work and it's not a contest or anything, comes from an expert's ability to connect with their scene partner and affect their audience. There is no need for a hypothesis or theory, no need for scientific or religious make-em-ups. We know the truth when we see it, for it is within us. Many students come into my class wearing an armor that has served them out there in the real world. The harshness that comes with having to earn a living, work with people, be somebody's child or parent, a neighbor, a city dweller, requires us to wear masks, run defensive patterns, bullshit each other just to stay alive. Shout out to women. And then, in class, I try to convince them that this is the place where you can take that mask off. In fact, you must. I wish I had known this years ago. The good teachers tried to tell me, but I couldn't hear them. My hypothesis is I had yet to grow ears that listened. In class, the goal is to provoke, to surprise, to break rules to be rude, to be a rascal, to be irreverent. You can't do this stuff in real life, but it behooves us to try it in class. Those words on pages that are your lines are not something to be afraid of or to respect, even. They are a sign that you must begin to misbehave. Class is the opposite of what it means to be Canadian. Class is the beginning of the truth. It's a nebulous concept, until you feel it. And the more you live there, the sooner you'll realize when you're out of your comfort zone, nothing bad happens. It's just the unexpected, and it can't hurt you. And that's a fact. And I am out on a limb, and it is the hand of God. Frank O'Hara Thank you for reading the Bold Acting Newsletter. To subscribe to the Bold Acting Podcast, go to wherever the podcasts are and hit 
automatic downloads, then rate and review with five stars. Nothing less, I couldn't handle it. Watch my video series on truthful performances by going to youtube.com slash Jason Bryden. And please share this post with friends and enemies alike.